0: Truth is, I am Iron Man.
1: I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. What is going on? What are you doing? To infinity and beyond! This is the way. The flux capacitor!
0: Is Star Wars the one with the little wizard boy? Chewie, we're home.
1: Avengers! Assemble. Oh, chills. Literal chills. Hello, fellow fans, to Night We Fan, the podcast. Unite with me is my co-host, the Jolly Brian. Hello, Brian.
0: Hey, everyone.
1: We hope you all enjoyed last week's episode about DreamWorks Animated Films. And I'm not going to lie, after doing that episode, I personally went back and revisited several of them. Shrek still holds up so well after all this time. I will admit the animation's a little dated, but the humor is still there. The storyline is still great. So check it out. On this week's episode, we are uniting to discuss the films of Jim Carrey. He gave us such hits as Ace Ventura, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Dumb and Dumber, The Truman Show, and many more. But first, thank you all for uniting with us here on CKCC Radio as we talk about all things fandom. CKCC Radio is our home, so please spread your support to the rest of the variety of shows they have on the channel to entertain you. They have podcasts ranging from wrestling talk shows episode reviews of The Simpsons, Disney animated movie rankings, music ranking tracks, motivational moves, real paranormal talk, racing nerd podcasts, binge casts for binging shows, and many other podcasts. You can listen to all of us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and most podcast locations. Speaking of ranking tracks, shout out to CKCC Radio's Jeffs for his ranking tracks podcast, He did a recent episode on Fleetwood Mac's mega hit album, Rumors. I will admit, I dig Fleetwood Mac, but somehow I never listened to that whole album the whole way through. So, of course, after hearing Jeff talk about it, I had to fix that mistake. My favorite track, going back to it, is probably The Chain. Check it out. Brian, have you uh, listened to some Fleetwood Mac, or have you heard The Chain?
0: Uh, This is a little foreshadowing to my... Mount Rushmore for the week. Uh, but I don't I don't quite understand Fleetwood Mac. There's some good songs, but they're not my favorite band of all time. But I, I am familiar with at least the song you're talking about.
1: All right, hang on. Maybe if I sing the chain to you, here we go. <clears throat>
0: oh, that was Beautiful. I hope everybody heard that
1: and experienced it the exact same way I did. That was beautiful, Mark. Thank you, thank you. Well I I'm sure I did Fleetwood Mac Proud. Well, anyways, check out Jeff's ranking tracks, it's good stuff, and then do like I did, listen to the album afterwards. And Mark and Brian's World News, some sad news today. ennio Morricone, Oscar winning and legendary film composer passed away tons of films check him out lots of his albums scores are on spotify i did a top five of them i loved his score for the untouchables the hateful eight the thing cinema paradiso the good the bad and the ugly special little shout out to the mission and for all you quentin tarantino fans he won his first oscar for the hateful eight rest in peace maestro but your music will live on brian do you have any world news This past week, uh, I was able to
0: sign up for a free trial for a new streaming platform called Quibi, I have a lot of issues with this particular streaming platform. It's made for the person that wants to watch things in five-minute chunks, kind of YouTube videos. While you're standing in line at Starbucks, for example, you watch all the videos in a vertical format on your phone. It's just not a great way to experience brand-new content. But there's a lot of talent that they've got on Quibi right now, and a lot of people came together and made a homemade version of The Princess Bride. And it is very, very funny. All these people from home – acted as acted out the parts of the movie and you'll have about six different people acting each different part. My favorite was when Jack Black was the dread pirate Roberts Wesley and he was (laughs) on a he was on a staircase like he's climbing the cliffs of insanity and Diego Luna or Pedro Pascal, I can't remember who was who was, uh, mandy patinkin's character uh indigo at this time but he's having a conversation about throwing him the rope and jack black is just on a stairs and he's being pulled up the stairs by a hose and (laughs) his uh his sword is a kylo ren lightsaber and diego luna's sword is an umbrella just the way they film the entire film and piece it all together it's really funny but it's got some some really cool cameos i will say that carrie elwis the original Uh, Dread Pirate Roberts Wesley from that movie does make an appearance, but not in the role you would expect him to appear in. And the way that it ends is is just perfect without giving everything away. I just want to say that Carl Reiner, the late Carl Reiner and his son, Rob Reiner, make an appearance. And it is the very last thing that Carl Reiner ever filmed before he passed away. And it's just such a touching tribute to Carl Reiner it's just it's really really fun you can sign up for a two-week free trial on Quibi and you can watch that whole film in about an hour it is well worth that two-week free trial for sure it's very funny if you love that film
1: bye bye boys have fun storming the castle think it'll like. it would take a miracle bye -bye. Bye. yeah I mean anything Princess Bride everyone should check out and I think it's the only remake of The Princess Bride I will happily accept. It's the only one, that is for sure. Yes. Well, as you said, rest in peace, Carl Reiner, who's just a comedic genius. He directed the Steve Martin movie, The Jerk. He was a writer on The Dick Van Dyke Show. Him and the legendary Mel Brooks did a skit, The 1,000-Year-Old Man, which is hilarious, still holds up. He was an actor in the Ocean's Eleven trilogy. For all you fans out there, he even directed A Guilty Pleasure of Mine, a movie called Summer School. Rest in peace, Mr. Reiner and Mr. Mario Cone. Now let's check out our local Facebook polls. I'm currently doing a Facebook poll that ties in with today's episode, trying to find out what my friend's favorite Jim Carrey movie is. I don't have the final answers just yet, but a little tease. The Grinch and The Truman Show are doing quite well. I also did find out something very uh, gratifying on last week's question. Brian um, seemed to think that The Empire Strikes Back would easily be Raiders of the Lost Ark on my 80s movie poll. We never got to find out. So I went ahead and posted that question on there. And, um, uh, oh, here's the envelope. Uh, and it looks like the winner is... Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, thank you all for playing. Thank you, thank you, Brian. It's okay. It's just you know, sometimes the force just isn't strong with everybody.
0: People were just out of their element. The The Empire Strikes Back lost its momentum it had going into that rigged final
1: four that you that you set up. I'm I'm just bitter. I this has been a another glimpse of your weekly Brian's conspiracy theory. On Brian's Mount Rushmore, he asked his friends, what's something that everyone loves? And, uh, quote, Ben Wyatt. Isn't it amazing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I just got to be honest. I don't know what the big deal is.
1: So, Brian, what's something that everyone loves that you just don't get?
0: Like you said, Mark, I took Ben Wyatt's reaction to little Sebastian uh, and just how he just doesn't understand everybody's fascination with that little horse. Um, I actually I couldn't sum it down to four for myself so the the five I actually went with Lilo and Stitch just the entire character of Stitch I don't understand it whatsoever <laughs> I don't get the appeal I I just never will before I say this I want you to know I understand how groundbreaking this movie was but I do not like The Wizard of Oz I just don't like it uh, Meryl, <laughs> Meryl Streep I think she's extremely overrated I don't uh. I don't like Meryl Streep. I'm so Uh, mad
1: at you for that one. Go
0: on. I stand by it. Uh, On How I Met Your Mother, uh, the fact that Barney and Robin get divorced and Ted ends up with with Robin, like, I don't think Robin and Ted are a good couple. Barney and Robin were such a, a much better couple.
1: Hang on. Hang on. I don't think Barney and Robin were a good couple, but I don't like how rushed Robin and Ted felt towards the end.
0: Yeah, and then my last one is The Big Bang Theory. Uh, While the show may be funny, the laugh track on that show makes it makes it entirely unwatchable for me. I think that's why I've gravitated toward something like The Office or Parks and Recreation because I get to decide what's funny to me and not having to be told. (laughs) But the laugh track on The Big Bang Theory is more out of control than any other show I've ever watched.
1: That's right. Television executives, don't tell Brian what's funny. (laughs) some of the love in the comments doctor who got a lot
0: of mention a lot of people don't understand the love for doctor who i've given it a shot it's okay uh for me avatar the last airbender um i i i agreed with this one i don't get it i I just don't get it And the last one that i that got called out in the comments that i also agreed with was hocus pocus i don't understand the love (laughs) for hocus pocus
1: doctor who i have a lot of fun with i've tried several times to marathon it and it's been a little challenging to marathon, but I, I have a lot of fun with Doctor Who. Hocus Pocus, I I for me, it's a nostalgia thing. I will say it is a little overrated with how much Hocus Pocus is out there, but for a nostalgia reason, I do watch it around every Halloween. As for uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, I think you're mistaken. I think that's one of the most brilliant Brilliantly created, not only animated TV series, but shows, period. My wife and son would agree with you there.
0: It's not my house,
1: it's just me. If I had to think about things that people love, where I just go, I just don't get it. Stitch. Now, Lilo and Stitch, the movie, I enjoy. I don't think it's as great as everyone says. Um, Check out our Commissioner Chris's ranking of Disney movies. You can hear me go on my long rants about it. You can check out that episode on CKCC Radio. But Stitch, I don't get the love for the character. I don't understand how there's so much merchandise and the lines for the character are so long. I'm glad the character makes people happy, but I don't get it. I just don't get it. And then the other would be the Fast and Furious film franchise. You know, the first one is dated, but it's still a lot of fun. I actually, and I know some people are going to be mad at me, but I enjoyed Tokyo Drift. (laughs) The films are enjoyable but when they're making close to a billion dollars I have to go why and then there's rumors of future ones going to space I hope I hope the filmmakers are just having fun with us fans but they're trying to get me
0: back by introducing Mar- uh, Ryan Reynolds they're trying to get me and I don't I don't know if I'm going to fall for it, but I might.
1: And Yeah, and then you got John Cena coming into the picture, too. I don't even get me started on the Universal ride. That's a long conversation. But anyways, The Fast and the Furious, I just don't get the huge love for that one. Now it's time for us to talk about the films of Jim Carrey. He's done such great films as Ace Ventura, Truman Show, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. But if we had to narrow it down, Brian, what would be your Mount Rushmore?
0: Uh, my Mount Rushmore Jim Carrey films, the top three um, are actually really easy for for me. Uh, my favorite Jim Carrey film, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, is Dumb and Dumber. There is not a single movie and or a single line in Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber that does not land with me. The entire <laughs> the entire movie makes me laugh. Every single joke, uh, The Truman Show, and Liar Liar um, are those are my clear top three. And then it gets a little bit harder, but I, I definitely landed on Ace Ventura, the first one, Pet Detective. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer.
1: Nice. All good choices, yeah. Mine, we agree on The Truman Show. I love The Truman Show. Um, you can put that on anytime and I'll be there. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I watch that every year. I'll even watch it here and there throughout the year. I know our Commissioner Chris thinks The Grinch is extremely overrated. But whatever, this is our show. I love The Grinch. Next up would be Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. The writing in that movie is brilliant. Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Mark Ruffalo is in it. Kirsten Dunst is in it. It's just a brilliantly acted, written, edited, just visually. It's a beautiful film. Watch it. Those three were the easy ones for me. Finding out my fourth one. I kept thinking about each movie. I'm like, wait, which one still makes me laugh? Which one's entertaining? Which one would I put on right now? I'm going to come out of nowhere and say a little film called Once Bitten. It is a Jim Carrey teenage vampire movie. Is it anything great? No. Is it anything remarkable? No. But is it a lot of fun? Yes. I just kept going back to it and just, it makes me so happy check out those if you haven't seen them
0: i have never seen this movie you were telling me about it a couple of days ago um it sounds very very appealing sounds very funny (laughs) but it's it's not even a movie i'd ever heard of so i definitely need to check it out
1: just go into it it's like late 80s comedy jim carrey was still trying to figure out who jim carrey like the actor the film actor was going to be it's good stuff
0: It was right after he left the uh, Living Color. I know, Um, and and his. uh, If you don't know what Living Color is, it's uh, similar to Mad TV, Saturday Night Live, something like that. Um, Kind of a skit comedy show, Uh, but just search Jim Carrey Living Color on YouTube, and you can find yourself occupied for a while. There's some funny stuff on there.
1: In Living Color is one of, arguably one of the best sketch comedies of all time. Hilarious. You have the Waynes in it. And, of course, Jim Carrey. So, yeah, definitely check out In Living Color if you haven't. If you've seen the meme of Jim Carrey with pigtails, it comes from that show. And I'm going to say this. I don't, he's not even, and this is going to be hard to believe, and no insult to him at all. I respect him so much. I don't even think he's the funniest part of the show. Like, that's how funny the show is as an ensemble. But on today's episode, myself and Brian, we're going to discuss each of our favorite films from Jim Carrey. And then we're going to come together to talk about The Truman Show, since we both love that one so much. Brian, you mentioned your love for Dumb and Dumber. Is that the one you're going to talk about with us? Oh, yeah. Mark, we've had a
0: couple of conversations about Jim Carrey over the, the last couple of days getting ready for this episode. And you don't seem to like Dumb and Dumber <laughs> near as much as, as I do, for sure. But uh, you don't seem to have a high opinion of this movie.
1: It's in my top ten. Jim Carrey movies, I do like it. I don't want any rumors to get started out there. <laughs> I do enjoy it. I think it's funny. You can see how good a comedy is by how much people quote it. And then over 10 years later, people are still quoting it. So the film is brilliant. Um, it just didn't connect with me like it did you. But don't get me wrong. I, If someone were to be, were to be like, hey, let's put on Dumb and Dumber, I'd be like, all right, let's do it. Now, if you were to say, let's put on Dumb and Dumber, er, the prequel, or Dumb and Dumber 2, I would say, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm good. Let's put on the original, the, the good one. Eventually, I'm going to have to see uh, Dumb and Dumber 2. I still
0: have yet to see it. I have never heard or read a positive thing about Dumb and Dumber 2, so I have avoided it at all costs because I don't want something I love so much to be tainted in any manner. I just avoided that film, and Dumb and Dumber-er uh, was <laughs> not good. I have, I have seen that one. I remember that. It, it was not good. But Dumb and Dumber, you talk about it being quoted 10 years later. Mark, that film celebrated its 25th anniversary just last year. God, uh, I felt that old. movie, that movie is has been out for for quite a while. It was the third of three Jim Carrey films to come out in 1994. Uh, the right. first one was Ace Ventura: Pet Detective, and then in July was The Mask, and then Dumb and Dumber was in December. It was uh, holiday season of 1994. That was a big year for for Jim Carrey. But like I said, there's nothing in Dumb and Dumber that doesn't that doesn't land with me when he is driving her to the airport and having the conversation about. It. So why are you going to the airport? <laughs> are you flying somewhere? And uh, she's she's kind of protecting that briefcase. And and he just talks about her being nervous and then talks about you're statistically more likely to die on your way to the airport. And he drives and he talks about the gas truck and there's a big big explosion behind him. And then when he runs onto the jetway and. okay, I'm a limo driver. Fell off the jetway again. (laughs) Uh, Just everything. And then. Uh, Jeff Daniels' character as Harry, uh, that's something very odd for Jeff Daniels to do from everything else that Jeff Daniels has done, but it just plays comedically so well. It's hilarious. I I just love everything about it, always finding him in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's just, it's so funny to me.
1: Yeah, I, I love Jeff Daniels in it, and everyone knew him as a serious actor, so good for him for not only doing the comedy, but doing a Jim Carrey comedy where The guy improvs a lot, so you know you have to be on your A-game. And Jim Carrey, you mentioned it, he had The Mask, he had Ace Ventura, they were huge hits. So then came the time for Jim Carrey to make more money, and they they paid him quite a lot for Dumb and Dumber. And Jeff Daniels, I think it was like under a million dollars, which is unheard of for a big-time actor to take for a movie. But he just wanted to do it, and he was very unselfish about it. He was just really excited for it. And then you mentioned it, to have The Mask, Ace Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber in one year. Like, one of those, you're good for a long time. Two of those, you're good for like a decade. Like, hilarious. Three of them, you're golden. Like, to have them all in one year, the year of Jim Carrey, just comedic genius right there.
0: Yeah, I think part of the reason why I love Dumb and Dumber so much is because I'm from... Uh, the state of Colorado, so the place where beer flows like wine, and where beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I uh, I, I think I love it, but my three favorite moments uh, from Dumb and Dumber are all uh, Jim Carrey moments when he meets the uh, what turns out to be the FBI agent in the bar, and he walks out, and he points at the frame on the wall, and he goes, "No way, we landed on the moon." uh that one makes me laugh every time and then (laughs) and then the scene when he can't hold it anymore and he has to uh urinate into the beer bottles and harlan williams pulls him over and has to drink the uh the urine filled beer bottles that scene that scene is very funny when he's (laughs) pulling he's telling him he goes pull over he goes no it's a cardigan but thanks for noticing (laughs) and then he, he compliments his killer boots uh that one that one's very funny and then when he when they're like, I thought the Rocky Mountains were going to be a little rockier than this, and they say that John Denver's full of it, and, <laughs> uh, and that one, and then he's got the he's got the extra set of gloves, and he goes, Yeah, we're in the Rockies.
1: <laughs> and when he says, You've had this entire set of gloves this entire time, and I love the scene where they're on the little scooter moped looking thing, and Jeff Daniels is like, I got, I got, stop we're go to the bathroom. Just go, man. <laughs> the looks on their faces just it's hilarious. And then when Jim Carrey stands up and Jeff Daniels like attached to him on his back, it's hilarious. And then of course you have the bathroom scene where I feel like you can't talk about Dumb and Dumber without talking about the explosive bathroom scene. And I remember it was like a, a interview with Jeff Daniels revisiting the film and he said Clint Eastwood approached him one day and you know Clint Eastwood is like very intimidating straight up serious kind of guy the actor's actor yeah and apparently Clint Eastwood said hey you know I saw your film and Jeff Daniels like bracing himself and he goes the bathroom scene yeah that happened to me once on a date (laughs) and I just lost it when I When I heard that, you know, and like Clint Eastwood walked away after that. It's like, what more can you say? My favorite part about
0: the bathroom scene is right before it happens, they, they, she's watching TV in the kitchen and it goes, and today on A Current Affair, and it talks about the story of them, of, of somebody, quote unquote, somebody selling a a bird with a duct taped head onto a blind kid. And she goes, who, who would do this? And then the doorbell rings and Lloyd's at the door. Oh, that part cracks me up. But if you've seen the extended edition of Dumb and Dumber, the bathroom scene, he actually physically picks up the toilet and tries to dump it out the window. It is so funny.
1: It's hilarious. God. Just thinking about that. (laughs) And then, of course, there are tuxedos. You have the bright orange one and, like, the, what is it, blue? Like, purplish Um, blue or something like that? Tar Heel blue. Oh, God. And I will admit, because of this movie, when trying on like tuck stuff i thought about getting the frizzle frivols, whatever type shirt i was like no it's only funny in a jim carrey movie
0: mark i did forget i wanted to dedicate this entire episode to my mother who is the greatest jim carrey fan in the world uh insert sarcastic tone <laughs>
1: I was about to say, my mom did not appreciate the movie Dumb and Dumber. My mom
0: doesn't appreciate anything Jim Carrey's in, I don't think.
1: Well, that was our look at Dumb and Dumber. Now it's time for my Jim Carrey flick, and I actually kind of had a hard time. It came down to two films, but in the end I went with Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I know our commissioner, Chris, will be excited that I chose this film, and hopefully I can maybe persuade him to change his mind. But, I, I thought about which Jim Carrey film i watched the most, which one I love every time I watch it. It doesn't lose any of its meaning for me, and it has to be The Grinch. His performance in it is epic. He was nominated for a Golden Globe, should have been nominated also for an Oscar, but anyways, he was nominated for a Golden Globe, and you just see it's one of those roles where he made the film, He made The Grinch. It would have been hard for him or hard for anyone to bring the impact that he did. Mike Myers can vouch for that, how hard it is to bring a Dr. Seuss character to real life. Rick Baker did the makeup for the film and won an Oscar for it, rightfully so. It's directed by Ron Howard, who did such films as Splash, Apollo 13, The Da Vinci Code. It has an all-star cast. I love the show that's inspired by it over at Universal. I know I mentioned that in our Universal episode of United We Fans, so check that out if you would love to hear me gush more of it. Have you uh, wondered where are you Christmas and found that How the Grinch Stole Christmas brought that Christmas spirit to you?
0: his, like you said, his portrayal of the Grinch is what sold this film, um, for not only just us, but it sold the whole film in general, but just how, how willing he was, his physical comedy, um, was on full display in this film. Um, and like I said, his costume, um, we talked a little bit more about his costume in our Seuss episode too, but just, it was literally individually sewn yak hair onto his, onto his skin. And just the amount of, Very few people are willing to sell and dive into a role quite like, quite like him, especially kind of to put themselves as the butt of the joke to an extent as well. But he, he nailed that role and he really, he just changed what it, what that role is for and how anybody views that character in general.
1: Yeah. And I mean, before this, my, My holiday films were, you know, Home Alone and the Santa Claus. And then this one came along and it, like I said, it's a must watch for me. Jim Carrey went above and beyond. He had to take classes with how to handle torture because of the contacts he had to wear for the Grinch. So mad respect there. The film has his wonderful one liners, you know, 630 PM dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. I find it hilarious. And then when he's, trying on different clothes, and he's having his little fashion show. It's not a dress, it's a kilt! Sicko! The adaptation of the script. Obviously, you couldn't just make a live-action feature-length film of the short story, or sorry, the Dr. Seuss book. You had to expand on it, and I love what they did, his backstory, the young little Grinch, and also Cindy Lou doing uh, investigating investigative journalism to find out you know she lost that christmas feeling and she just wants to know why whoville loves it so much and then she relates to the grinch i love that i think the animated grinch movie i know we mentioned it before did not do a great job of adapting the story there's cindy lou so annoying and shout out to taylor Momsen who plays cindy lou A rare child actor who's not irritating. And when she sings, Where Are You Christmas? Ugh, chills. Literal chills every time. Uh, I have
0: uh, definitely positive things to say about it. Every single scene that Jim Carrey is in uh, does work for me. The rest of the film, there's stuff about it that I can definitely leave on the table. But overall, uh, every Christmas, it's on in my house. No question.
1: I know they got rid of it. But over at Universal Studios Hollywood, they even had the set from the film there, a portion of it, because the film was so big, and I loved this about it. It was practical sets. The art direction is amazing. The costumes are amazing. But the sets, they went over several sound stages. And to anyone who's seen a sound stage, that gives you a pretty good idea just how big the set was. So I love any film that chooses practical over CGI. Now, granted, I know there's times where you have to use CGI, but... You can tell the real sets on this one. And they look great. And Ron Howard, the director, I, I think he's he's underrated. I am sad. He did the film Willow and Backdraft. He was so appreciative of Jim Carrey. And he knows that it must not have been a lot of fun for Jim Carrey to be going through makeup and costuming for hours upon hours to film. He actually went in full Grinch outfit just to show his support to say, hey, I'm sorry you have to do all this, but I support you, so I'm going to put on the outfit.
0: He also did Solo, a Star Wars story, Mark, and we might have to get back to one time the blasphemy you spoke about, Donald Glover's Lando Calrissian in that movie, but that's a conversation for another time. But Ron Howard is a film genius for sure.
1: I liked the film Solo, just for anyone out there who thinks I'm a hater. But yes, we will come back to the um, Lando (laughs) topic. And then, of course, the film is narrated by Sir Anthony Hopkins, Oscar winner and royalty with that sir on there. You know, he's Thor's dad. He's the narrator. And I think he right away you hear his voice. And just with the music by James Horner, it's just a great feeling overall from that film. It does change the film if you
0: imagine it being narrated by Hannibal Lecter.
1: (laughs) Well, anyways, yeah. How the Grinch Stole Christmas Favorite Jim Carrey film, love it. Brings the emotions, the feels, and the laughter. Brian and I, though, we get the full-on emotion and love every time we watch The Truman Show, a film that I think was a little of its time with reality TV. It wasn't the huge thing that it is nowadays, where a TV channel adopted an orphan, you know, Jim Carrey, and said, we're going to film him 24-7. That'll be all the network shows. And when you think about it, you go kind of a scary idea. But nowadays you can go, I can actually see that happening.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm I think if this movie never existed, I think somebody would have already tried it by now without pointing out its flaws. I'm uh, I'm with you. It was ahead of its time from a reality TV show standpoint. No question. Came
1: out in 1998. Directed by Peter Weir, who did Master and Commander with Russell Crowe, the Robin Williams masterpiece, Dead Poets Society, and the Harrison Ford film, Witness. So, this was a, a different film for him. I think he just brought a great touch to it. You have Ed Harris as the director of The Truman Show. Christoph. Christoph. God, what a great name for the director, too. You know, it just sounds so like royal. And he literally lives in the moon. Yep. No, you could tell he's that immersive. I have to get into this setting to direct him. He's the Daniel Day Lewis of directors. Oh, geez. Laura Linney, as Jim Carrey's wife, I thought she did a great job of kind of playing. You know, you don't really know, the film takes place. I guess in that modern time of 1998, but it also feels like something out of the fifties and she kind of plays it like a fifties housewife.
0: Yeah. It's got that Pleasantville feel to it. The, When Because this is a show that's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they have to work the advertisements into the show itself. (laughs) That scene when she's talking about the Columbia coffee, um, and she just talks about it for 30 seconds like it's an ad on the show, and he's like, who are you talking to?
1: Why don't you let me fix you some of this new Mo Cocoa drink? All natural cocoa beans from the upper slopes of Mount Nicaragua, no artificial sweeteners. What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? I've tasted other Cocos. This is the best.
0: Just her genuine fear, just the way that these actors, there's a clear divide as to when they're acting like an actor and when they're acting like like their character in the film as a real-life person. Just the acting within this film is incredible.
1: And then his true crush, who the show tries to force out several times, the actress uh, Natasha Mecklehone and I'm. if you're listening, I'm so sorry for butchering your name, but thank you for listening, but I'm so sorry to butcher your name. I loved the scene where they're at, I think it's the prom, and you see them just lock eyes and the romance starting right there, and then the show, you know, it's a very efficient show, they quickly see this and like, no, 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 and they rush her off, and then they recast the character, the dance partner real quick, then I think Jim Carrey's in college a little later and he sees her in the library and she's like, I, I can't really talk to you. And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, I-, I get it. I'm just a stranger. And to him, you know, he doesn't understand. He thinks, oh, I-, I get it. You know, just some random guy talking to a pretty girl in the library. He has no idea that, no, she's not allowed because the she doesn't want to get kicked off the show and she likes him and she wants to keep talking to him. Little things like that, and then when, you know, the, the light falls from the sky, and then he opens an elevator, and you see the backdrop of the soundstage. Just little things like that when it starts to fall apart. And then, of course, I love the scene where Jim Carrey's in the car, and he starts timing everything that goes by. They go around the block. They come back. They go around again. They just go around and red Red and ride. Just Brilliant. There's a lot of stuff in
0: this film that never landed when I first saw it when I was a kid, you know, like the even the soundstage, all that kind of stuff. You just never quite understand it. I really like the part when he starts hitting the frequency of them talking about what he's doing when he's driving his car (laughs) over the radio and he just gets very confused. But he's got all the he's got like the twins. He's got all the townspeople that always just direct him in the in the in the place he's willing to go. Uh, But I do think about when at the end of the film, when he leaves and you have you spend a lot of time throughout the film seeing all the the Truman bar or the Truman show bar in New York city. And just the old grandma's on the couch with the decorative pillows with his face on it and stuff like that. And everybody's so excited when he walks out of the, when he walks out of the studio, I just picture game of Thrones fans in, in 2019 where nobody can be happy when a show ends. And uh, (laughs) now I mean that show didn't end perfectly, but I feel like if, uh, if that was your favorite TV show at all time and the way it ends, uh, I feel like you'd at least be a little bit sad, but just watching the guy in the bathtub just celebrate and splash around. Yeah. I just, everything in that movie is just well thought out. And the character of Kristoff and Ed Harris, I almost want to see a sequel that if Truman didn't actually leave and he had to live in a world that he knew was fake, I think that would be pretty interesting as well, but I'm glad they never, they never went back to it. The show they, they, I'm glad they left it at perfection that it was
1: like, that's just it. I think the film is perfect, but If Netflix or HBO wanted to make a TV series of it and like take it seriously, I would watch that in a second. I'm with you when the film first came out, you know, you saw Jim Carrey and you go, oh, my God, I got to see it's a Jim Carrey movie. This was him showing that he can do something else. And, you know, the Golden Globes, he won a Golden Globe for best actor in a drama. You know, Jim Carrey did and Ed Harris even won for it. But then the Oscars, they snubbed him. It upset me greatly now that I look back on it. I, I don't know why they overlooked him. He brought drama and comedy, and comedy is one of the hardest things to do as an actor. But at the time, I, I, I didn't appreciate it as much. And then I, I remember I went and rewatched it while, when I was in high school, and I, I fell in love with it right there. And it's been high on my list ever since. I have to give a bravo to the composers, me being me, to Burkhard von Dalowitz and Philip Glass. Great job with their score, and the film even won wa- or was even nominated for its writing, rightfully so. Such a smart script. Fun fact: It's on IMDb's top 200. It's number 172. So if that gives you any indication, because. Voters on IMDb are not kind. They will let you know if your movie stinks. So for you to be in the top 200 lets you know you're, you're you're doing something right.
0: I will say, Mark, the actors for a leading role for that year of the Oscars was Tom Hanks, Ian McKellen, Nick Nolte, and Edward Norton. But the winner was Roberto Benigni.
1: Benigni yeah uh, I don't Life know. is Beautiful. Yep, but he, uh, those he are deserved hard people it. to
0: remove. but
1: Yeah, Well, do you have in front of you, Brian, what they were nominated for? Uh,
0: Life is Beautiful for Roberto Benigni, like you said. Tom Hanks for Saving Private Ryan. Ian McKellen,
1: Gods and Monsters. Deserved it. Nick
0: Nolte, Affliction. Uh, And Edward Norton for American History X, I will say, deserved
1: it. Oh, my God, yeah. I, I think probably the only one is Nick Nolte. No, don't get me wrong. Nick Nolte did a brilliant job, but... I think, looking back in hindsight, Jim Carrey could have swapped out for him. But, oh my god, that was a tough year. Edward Norton, they all deserved it,
0: but... Oh. Ed, Harris, Ed Harris was nominated for the Oscar for Supporting Role, Actor in a Supporting
1: Role, but did not win. He's not in the film that much, which just shows how strong of a performance he had. And then, little fun fact for you, Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans... 9 Our little Scully... Mr. Joel Miller he's actually the one at the end who says all right what else is on when the show ends
0: he's the security guard at the uh at the impound lot yep
1: yeah actually speaking of Ed Harris that's a good segue into Jim Carrey award snubs I'm just gonna give my little soap box hang on let me dust it off and stand on it so Internal Sunshine, Spotless Mind. He was Golden Globe nominee for it. No Oscars. Shame on you. Brilliant performance. The Grinch, Golden Globe nominee, rightfully so. I would have been happy if he was Oscar nominated. I can argue for a long time that he should have been. Man on the Moon, Golden Globe winner. Absolutely should have been Oscar nominated, and they forgot him for that. And then the Truman Show we already went over, Golden Globe winner, but not Oscar nominated. The Mask, I, I didn't know this until I looked it up, but he was Golden Globe nominated, rightfully so, for that. And then a little film called The Number 23. I would have been happy if he would have gotten some award attention. I get why he wasn't, wasn't like the flashiest of roles, but I get it. Yeah, The Number
0: 23, I remember seeing that. Film in high school, and I thought I was an adult now because I thought Jim Carrey was a serious actor. And but I remember really liking that movie, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. But I he did do a good job in that movie, too.
1: Ah, uh, the number 23 if you want dark Jim Carrey like film noir directed by the late Joel Schumacher, check that one out. All right, now it's time for the fun part of the show where Brian and I quickly talk about some other Jim Carrey flicks so that nobody goes, hey, you forgot this one. It's called Rapid Fire. We're going to start with his most recent one, Sonic the Hedgehog, where he played the villain. Brian, thoughts?
0: It was fun to see Jim Carrey back in the role of Jim Carrey being just physical comedy and making impressions and faces and all that kind of stuff. It was great to have him back.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. It definitely reminded me of '90s Jim Carrey. Now we're going to move on to the double feature: Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls.
0: There is a lot in both Ace Ventura movies that that isn't so politically correct in 2020. <laughs> so you got to watch these films in the time frame in which they were meant to be filmed. But I I was a huge sports fan. Still, am a huge sports fan. So seeing Dan Marino on screen yeah. um, is is awesome. I. Just Ace Ventura when he when he puts his keys in the door and his landlord walks up behind him and he goes, Ventura, and his response is yes, Satan. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. I thought you were someone else. And he goes into the he goes into the apartment, all the the penguins come out of the freezer, all that kind of stuff. When nature calls, uh, I don't like that one as much as I do Pet Detective, but there are far more one-liners in that one that I that I still quote. The Slinky Song and the uh, and now a yak when you're when he's talking through the the magazine microphone um but and then the bumblebee tuna of course bumblebee tuna bumblebee tuna hi there nice to see you bumblebee tuna bumblebee tuna um but the the scene with the mechanical rhino is probably my favorite one of my favorite jim carrey individual scenes of any of the films the mechanical rhino when he climbs out it's so funny
1: yeah, I will admit Ace Ventura Pet Detective is dated, but I still laugh at it. I think Jim Carrey shows how talented he is in it. The second one, When Nature Calls, I remember I liked it more than the first one. Me being younger, me definitely liked the rhino bit. I thought that was hilarious. And then younger I Younger you? Are you insulting my intelligence right now? Yep. And um, the cliffhanger homage in the beginning of it was funny as well. But going back and watching Ace Ventura When Nature Calls doesn't hold up as much for me. So Ace Ventura Pet Detective gets the win. And of course, Dan Marino is pretty funny in it.
0: One more shout out to Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, the the scene when he's playing with the projector.
1: Hey ho, silver, away! Then we have Kick-Ass 2, where Jim Carrey plays a vigilante leader called Colonel Stars and Stripes. I think it's a Jim Carrey role where, if you're watching the movie, it will take you a second to go, Oh, that's Jim Carrey! It's something very different from him. The film is rated R for all you families out there. So if you're interested in a different kind of Jim Carrey. Next up, we go from adult Jim Carrey to family Jim Carrey with the holiday film A Christmas Carol A stop-motion film from Oscar-winning director Robert Zemeckis. And I know that kind of motion capture doesn't really get everyone. But think Polar Express and the underrated Adventures of Tintin, and you'll have a Christmas Carol-type animation. I enjoyed it a lot. I I will admit, Muppet Christmas Carol is still my favorite Christmas Carol, but I liked it. I love Muppet
0: Christmas Carol. I have not seen the Jim Carrey one.
1: Next up... I Love You, Philip Morris, with Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor. It is a dramedy one. I I don't want to give away too much. It'll be not for everyone and something extremely unexpected from those two actors. After that, we have Fun with Dick and Jane. I thought it was cute. Brian, I know you feel stronger about this one than I do.
0: Yeah, I don't know why either. I, but this movie, I always look back on it uh, just with fondness. It is on Netflix right now if you did want to go back and watch it. But talking about being ahead of its time, it talks about the kind of the Enron scandal um, and all that kind of stuff. I Just fun with Chicken and Jane. Like I said, it's on Netflix. It's really funny. I like it.
1: Next up, we have the first adaptation of Lemony Snicket's Series of Unfortunate Events where Jim Carrey plays Count Olaf. I love the Netflix series with Neil Patrick Harris his and Jim Carrey's interpretations are very unique in their own way. But Jim Carrey gave a very dark children's story performance as Olaf. And I dig the film overall. Sad it couldn't continue, but I'm glad Netflix picked it up and did a great job with it. And then next up, Jim Carrey is given the power of God, and he becomes Bruce Almighty. I I thought this film was funny when I first saw it, and then over time. I watched it again and again, and it goes down more and more because it just gets halfway through. It becomes really kind of depressing, and then it irritates me when he pulls the moon closer, and then you hear a news report as he's trying to impress Jennifer Aniston. He pulls the moon closer, and he creates a tsunami that does a lot of damage, and it's reported on a news story, so that kind of upset me. But shout out to Steve Carell for his bit where he's doing that. Still hilarious. But that's part of the
0: film is he's only focusing on himself and he gives the lottery tickets out to everyone else. It's just uh, God can't please everyone. That's kind of that's kind of what they're going for. But like you said, that newsroom scene with Steve Carell, um, when he just makes him go crazy and uh, that scene. I love that scene so much.
1: (coughs) <clears throat> um,
0: but it was kind of right at the beginning of of his of his kind of what launched him onto into stardom, and I just I will be forever grateful for that movie for what it turned Steve Carell into. But I uh, I look back on that movie a lot better than than you do, but that's fair. Morgan Freeman is God, though, was a lot of fun.
1: Next up, we have The Majestic, where Jim Carrey plays a blacklisted screenwriter who loses his memory, ends up in a small town, and they all think he's the town's favorite son who went off to war returning home, but it's not. So Jim Carrey starts to adjust to this life that you know everyone thinks he had. And it's from Frank Derenbott, who did The Green Mile and The Shawshank Redemption. And it's a a small film. It was a really expensive movie that didn't make any money. Sadly, it was a box office bomb. Bruce Campbell plays a film actor in the movie. It's a nice little film cameo for him. Check it out if you haven't seen it, which apparently not a lot of people have. Next up, me, myself, and Irene from the filmmakers of Dumb and Dumber. He plays a Canadian highway patrolman and he ends up with multiple personalities and Renee Zellweger tries to deal with that. Hilarious comedy rated R for language and adult humor. Definitely strong rated R, but also very strong with the laughs.
0: Yeah. The relationship he has with his three triplet African-American sons, um, really is, uh, I just love the relationship he has with those boys in that movie. But like you said, not very family friendly, not one for, a. Uh, The whole family, for sure.
1: Yeah, and there's one scene where he throws himself out of the car. It's hilarious. Next up, we have Man on the Moon. Should have been Oscar-nominated Man on the Moon for his performance. There's a Netflix filmmaking documentary called Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, which takes you behind the scenes of his performance during the making of this movie. You just see how committed Jim Carrey was to this film, putting his health and sanity into jeopardy. But it's a biopic of comedian Andy Kaufman, who tried to be a different kind of comedian and tried to do different things with humor and just had a tough life. Next up, we have the extremely popular Liar Liar. I I still make the joke, the pen is blue, the pen is blue. The film, after all this time, still holds up for me and I laugh a lot
0: yeah shout out to uh, the aforementioned carrie elwis in this movie is uh, jerry the the prospective oh. stepfather of of the kid uh but that uh just that entire movie there's nothing about it that that doesn't work for me it's hard to pull off jim Carrey's type of physical comedy in a quote-unquote professional environment like a courtroom um, but the scene when he takes himself into the bathroom and just <laughs> uh beats him up as described by himself as a madman uh, but the, the part when the judge walks into the courtroom and the honorable judge Stevens or whatever, and he goes, honorable. <laughs> and then he looks at the, he looks at the the dictator and he tells her not to put it in there. Just that entire, that entire movie makes me laugh. But when he just, the relationship he has with his son, I have two gripes having watched this film recently. One is the kid in the movie, his haircut is, is, is rough. Um, but To the in the movie, the kid turns five years old, and this is me being me, and I don't expect anybody else to have this issue. But the kid is turning five years old in the storyline, and the actor kid himself was nine, like, and there was no reason the movie needed to be the kid turning five specifically, like, it just didn't need to be. But the kid was nine, the actor, like, his vocabulary for a five year old maybe it's just the dad in me, I don't know, it drove me crazy. But uh, but that movie, just the claw and just the part when he when he goes to the impound, and you scratched my car and I'm not going to do anything about it. Uh, just that whole thing. And he steals the air freshener. Just everything in Liar Liar cracks me up.
1: Yeah, I love that. Going back to the courtroom when he comes back in after beating himself up and the judge is ready to postpone it. And then he goes, unless you think you can continue and you just see Jim Carrey go from, oh, yeah, I'm going to make it out of here to yes Yes, i can
0: (laughs) can. hilarious the uh the outtakes that they put in the end credits for that movie are really funny too but my favorite scene from that movie is when they take him into the into the conference room and he's insulting all the people at the table um and all the bosses and everybody and he takes the guy's hairpiece off and sticks it to the wall that (laughs) entire scene is so funny
1: i think i need to revisit this this might end up pushing out one's been in my mount rushmore Liar, liar is on Hulu. Thank you. Next up, we have the dark comedy that Jim Carrey tried to uh, change things up after a string of big hits. He did a film with Matthew Broderick called The Cable Guy. Brian, uh, I know you and I laugh about the same scenes, but I definitely was that guy who went to medieval times and made the same, stole the same jokes from this film about. You have Pepsi, but you don't have utensils. I I was that guy who said that joke. This film overall very forgettable. Um, I
0: remember even as a teenager just going, oh, this isn't really working for me. But the scene at medieval times is is hilarious when he talks about how life, real life, needs theme music. Just his entire accent throughout the movie. It's just overall
1: not not Jim Carrey's strongest performance. And then, fun fact about the cable guy, it's directed by Ben Stiller. So, look up. That's right. I forgot the, about that. Yeah. Look up behind the scenes fact of it. The film didn't have the easiest filmmaking process and was actually originally supposed to be a lot darker. Next up, we go back to Joel Schumacher, who did the Jim Carrey, the number 23. But before that, he worked with Jim Carrey on Batman Forever. Batman, you see? I. I know in recent news, they just said there's an extended director's cut out there of the film, which I would totally watch. As far as Jim Carrey goes, I thought he was a very humorous Riddler. Not really the Riddler from the comic books, but he was Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Did an entertaining job. Younger me. Loved him, of course. Comic book me as I grew up went, okay. he was a little over the top, but he was perfect for what the film was.
0: Yeah, it that film suffered from too many personalities on screen. You had Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, Val Kilmer was Batman, Drew Barrymore was in this one, Chris O'Donnell was in it, Jim Carrey, he just, he still stood out amongst some of the highest Hollywood actors at the time, um, but he just, yeah, he took, he had a different take on Edward Nygma, but uh, I mean, it, it, he made it his own. Um, he's not the only problem with this film
1: for sure. And then next up, we go to the third film of that great year he had, The Mask, which was smoking full of tons of one-liners that everyone remembers. Jim Carrey even gave himself an award in that film, rightfully so. And the Golden Globes loved his performance in it. You love me. You really love me. It's over the top, which is what the film needed to be. And Without him, I don't think the film would have done as well. Now, as a comic book adaptation, gosh, if you go and read the Mask comics, that is a dark comic book. So as an adaptation, the film didn't do a great job. But as its own movie, the film, I think, is hilarious.
0: Yeah, Peter Green, the actor that plays Dorian in this movie, when he obtains the Mask it just, it's, that movie goes completely off the rails. Yeah. There's there's multiple characters in that film that just now I look back on going, oh yeah, they had a part and they just don't fit. Like the reporter, like just all of it. This was Cameron Diaz's first movie, by the way, kind of a fun fact there that not a lot of people remember. This movie, I watched it recently. It does not age, it didn't age well. And I'm really disappointed. It'd been a long time since I'd seen it, but I just remember, I just was watching it. And it wasn't just the CGI issues, just in general, there was it was just so disjointed. So many characters that didn't need to be in there. Um, again, from a from a politically correctness standpoint, it didn't age super well either. Uh, just overall, it was it's an odd film. But like you said, the one liners are still very much there. The scene when he comes over the wall and he does the conga with all yeah. the uh, with all the cops pointing their guns
1: at him, like that's a pretty funny scene still. I definitely had younger Mark had a crush on Cameron Diaz from that movie. And then, fun fact, for all you Ghostbuster fans out there, you might recognize that mechanic shop as a certain firehouse. Our last film that we're going to do a rapid fire on is one that I'm sure not many people have seen. How does this story sound? Three aliens crash land in a pool owned by Gina Davis. She shows them around California in the 80s. Sounds exciting. Well, I don't know. Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, and Jeff Goldblum play the aliens with Gina Davis playing the earthling that helps them and a love interest for Jeff Goldblum in the film. Is it a brilliantly written film? No. Is it a sci-fi classic? No. Is it a guilty pleasure watch just so you can see early points in Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey's career? Yeah, just watch it. It's fun. And when we talk about Jim Carrey, I don't think we can
0: talk about his full career without mentioning his cameo in Anchorman 2 as the Canadian broadcast uh, one. his his entire cameo in the Anchorman 2 anchor fight, uh, though predictable because it was in the first one was still a very funny cameo for me.
1: That concludes our flicks of Jim Carrey episode of United We Fan, the podcast. Thank you all for uniting with us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed uniting on it. Next week, we'll be joined by our Commissioner of CKCC Radio as we discuss the Disney theme parks. So we'll see you real soon for that. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know with a rate or review. For those listeners with any comments or questions, drop us a line so we can reply. Brian, tell our listeners how they can message the show and stay up to date on everything UWF. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at
0: United Podcast, or you can shoot us an email at unitedwefanpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Check out our Instagram. Brian works really hard on a lot of those pictures, and they're a lot of fun, so check it out. Thank you, CKCC Radio. Check us out and the many podcasts of CKCC Radio on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, and most podcast locations. Till we unite again, fans. Good morning, and in case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Do not go in there. Woo!